You are listening to Spot On, a health and wellness podcast that breaks through the latest media headlines to provide you with accurate and usable information that is, well, spot on, spot on to meet your needs. I am your host, Dr. Joan Salji-Blake, a nutrition professor at Boston University and the author of the college textbook called Nutrition and You, which is used in colleges across the United States and abroad. Hello, Spot On listeners. I have been wanting to do this episode for so long. And, you know, we're in an interesting time now in the world around us. And we are really, thank goodness, looking for more diversity, more inclusion. I say amen to that. Thank you. This is so terrific that we are moving in this direction. And, you know, that comes over to nutrition and body weight, too, as far as inclusion and diversity. And there's something called HAES. It's H-A-E-S, and it's called Health at Every Size. And I've been intrigued by this, and I've gone on to social media and looking at what the heck is health at every size. And as I go and I read things, I'm all over the place. I understand at one site, but not as the other. So I said, you know, let's clarify this. Let's bring somebody aboard today that can help us understand haze or health at every size. And can you really be not at your a healthy weight, but still be healthy? So today I brought on um, Marcy Evans. And you know, you that name does sound familiar to you because I had Marcy on, on the first guest of season two of Spot On. And she talked about what Instagram does to your brain. And I have to tell you, this is unbelievably fascinating. You have got to listen to this episode. You talk about social media. So I brought her back because she is a guru in this area. Marcy Evans is a registered dietitian, but you know, she identifies as a food and body image healer. I love that. She's dedicated her career to counseling, supervising, and teaching in the field of eating disorders. She is a certified eating disorder registered dietitian and supervisor and intuitive eating counselor. We're going to ask her more about that, but she teaches. She is always on you know, the, the talking circuit because everybody just loves to pick her brain because she is so diverse in this topic. So with that, I want to welcome back Marcy Evans on Spot On. Oh, thank you so much for that warm welcome. I am totally thrilled to be with you. And as you know, Joan, I always love talking with you. So this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun and informative. Okay, my dear, help me out. What is haze? What is healthy eating? Beautiful. I think it's important that we're we're starting with the fundamentals. And one of the things that I noticed as I was listening to you is that you pointed out going to social media and how when you tried to learn more about health at every size via social media, it felt incredibly confusing. And you are not alone in that. And so I'll talk a little bit about kind of what the formal definition is, and then we can parse out where things get a little bit confusing and what things might be by definition and also how they can look in the room between a nutrition counselor and a client, because there's there's a lot of nuance. So health at every size, um, you said it correctly, it's not healthy at every size, it's health at every size, and, and it's a movement, and it's a movement that really has evolved and continues to evolve, 
But the idea is that it's presenting a paradigm where we can support people in moving towards greater health and well-being without a central focus on weight being the the primary or only determiner of health. Um, In addition to a health-promoting paradigm that isn't centered on weight, there's also a social justice arm. And I know that that can be a little bit of a foreign concept. It certainly was for me. But the idea is that there's this piece of the Health at Every Size movement that is really trying to focus on ending weight discrimination and weight stigma and really identifying that it is a form of prejudice and it's a form of harm in our culture and in our communities. This sounds like weight bias. I hear that a lot. Like when 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 people have a weight bias or, you know, when they see someone that may be overweight or, or very overweight, uh, there's assumptions that are made that are uh, you know, not necessarily accurate. Right. And we do this, you know, I, I want to say, I hope we can continue to approach uh, this conversation as we sort of get into the nuts and bolts of this with a lot of openness, non-judgment, and a lot of compassion because we as human beings are wired to have bias. That's true for every single one of us. It doesn't, having bias doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you a human being. So being aware of the fact that we have been programmed to carry assumptions about people based on appearance, right? So it's, it's, pretty well established, you know, that if we see someone that is in a higher body size, that we might assume that's a person who doesn't exercise, or that's a person who doesn't care about their health, or that's a person who, you know, fill in the blank. We think about sort of the tropes of higher weight people throughout the years in media, in film, in books. It's sort of the lazy, dumpy, stupid, funny, kind of a trope. And so we carry that in us because it's it's been programmed inside of us from the time that we were we were very little. Rather than just assuming I'm going to step back and get to know this person without assumptions, we're going to do a much better job at at assessing what their needs are and how best to help them. That's right. That's right. So can you be healthy at any size or what, you know, tell me about this. If you have a, I, I love the way you refer to this, um, um, a higher, uh, a higher body size. I love that rather than saying overweight or obese. I hate, first of all, I hate the word obese, but a higher body size. I love that. So can you be at a higher body size and be healthy? I'm so glad you're asking me this question. It's one of the biggest myths that health at every size means healthy at any size. So what the idea behind health at every size is simply saying that regardless of a person's weight, they have the right to receive non-biased, safe, accessible, excellent health care, that they have the right to pursue health, and that we aren't going to make assumptions about health based on any particular size. So I'll use myself for an example. Would I be healthy at a dramatically different weight than I am now, either higher or lower? Likely not. Likely would it would flag there's some sort of problem going on because right now in the body that I'm in, part of the reason I'm in this body is because of genetics. Part of it is how I take care of myself in terms of how I feed my body and move my body. So if there was some sort of dramatic change, either up or down, it would likely signal um, that I really wasn't at a healthy place. You know, I, I know I'll share just a very brief anecdote that there have been times when I've gone through incredibly difficult, difficult times in my life. One was when I had my son who was born premature and was in the NICU for a long time. I was under so much stress that I lost a substantial amount of weight. 
Sadly, there were some people who offered me compliments about about that, which was really, um, you know, just such a, a demonstration of how we make these assumptions about weight changes and weight loss. I was not healthy at that time. I was really struggling mentally and emotionally. And so that's just a, a little example of, of course, we aren't individually healthy at all of the possible weights. That's not, that, And that's really not, not the point of the movement. That's interesting. That is so, so interesting. So what you're saying is health at every size, that people, no matter of their size or um, their lifestyle, should get good health care, good advice. That's right. Good advice, good health care, have access. We know not everybody has access to nutritious food. We know not everybody has access to medical care. We know not everybody has access to, for safe outdoor spaces for physical activity. So the idea is this movement is all about creating a non-discriminatory access to health-promoting behaviors, and that a result of that is likely to be an improvement in health. And we have research on that. I know you you know this research, Joan, that we see one of the most powerful things we can do as nutrition professionals is facilitate that behavior change, health behaviors, and that even if the weight doesn't go down in a significant way, that other health par- parameters do improve. And, and um, the health at every size movement would say that's significant and that's and that's meaningful and that matters. When I was uh, counseling uh, clients, you know, uh, they would come with many, they they may be at a, I'm going to say, a, a higher body size, to use your words, but then they have um, high blood pressure, um, and they may have problems with the blood glucose levels, but I, I used to love this because this is such a trick that, you know, all they needed to do was just lose a few pounds, and that blood pressure went down, and it was just like, oh! <gasps> You know, it was like magic, you know, and, and so it's it, it. what you're saying is they were still at that higher body size, but just by changing the eating habits, maybe moving a little bit more um, and losing just a smidgen of weight, wow, that brought that blood pressure down, which is really, really fascinating. And I would imagine you really helped them make um, sustainable, accessible changes for them, because as you described, you learned to really get to know them and that you were able to support shifts in eating, shifts in movement. And and that sometimes gets missed in the health at every size conversation, um, particularly online, because social media is a, is a difficult place to have nuanced conversations. But there are some core principles of health at every size. The first one is weight inclusivity. And that means that we could imagine that um, health and um, movement in the direction of health can happen across the weight spectrum. The second principle is health enhancement. The third is eating for well-being. Fourth is respectful care. And fifth is life-enhancing movement. And those are really the, the pillars that support this paradigm. Right. So in other words, what you're saying, Marcy, if I understand it correctly, is is you're going to meet the, the, the person or wherever it is, where they are at, and through positive lifestyle changes, which would be maybe changing their uh, eating habits um, um, and maybe having the positive movement that you said, and maybe getting to the root of sometimes why you're eating. You know, if you're eating for emotional readings or stress or not eating, like in your case, for stress, because you were so stressed with your little cutie patootie came in the world a little too early. Um, so looking at all of that coming together and let the weight fall where the weight's going to fall, but let's change all these lifestyle behaviors in a positive uh, movement. 
That's right. That's exactly right. That's so beautifully summarized. I think that it is, we as, we as nutrition professionals are so well suited to do this work because we really have the capacity to look at all of these different um, pieces that are actionable, you know, that we get to look at um, food and relationship to food, which is what I, I really love, physical activity, as well as sleep habits, um, building of positive relationships, getting, you know, support where people need support. And we know that that moves people towards greater health. Sometimes that results in weight changes. Sometimes it doesn't result in weight changes. And we know because we study this, how complex weight science is. And, you know, we have certain factors that impact that, whether it's medications or whether it's family history and genetics. The behavioral components is really the place where we as nutrition professionals are so well suited to do incredibly positive and and powerful work with our with our clients and patients. I tell my, my nutrition students at Boston University that our jobs as you know, nutrition counselors is to take our nutrition expertise and fit it into the client or the patient's lifestyle, not the other way around. And so we got to meet them, as you said, where they are and help them along. The confusion for me, Ms. Morrissey, is that I've read, you know, that the Hayes movement, the Health at Every Size movement, is anti-weight loss. Like, in other words, I've read that as a, uh, a, a counselor, I'm not going to help you lose weight. To explain this to me, I'm so confused. Yeah, no, this is a really nice question. And I think that sort of holding together what the philosophy of the movement says and also the nuance in which a provider converses and speaks with a, a person that they're sitting across from. The Health at Every Size movement would say that there is an opposition towards or, or a, not an agreement with pursuing weight loss, that, that weight loss isn't at the center, isn't at the forefront, isn't the goal that we're moving towards, that the goal that we're moving towards is equitable, non-discriminatory healthcare with supporting a person's access to behavioral changes that support health and that weight changes are going to be what they're going to be, but the, the target isn't moving towards a certain number on the scale. It is very common for a person to come to a dietitian looking for weight loss. And the way that I would approach that with a client is not to say, you know, I, I refuse to help you with this. You know, that's a terrible idea. Pursuing weight loss is, is all kinds of wrong. You know, that you would have a, a much more thoughtful conversation and learning about what this person is looking for and also being honest in terms of the approach. But I don't use numbers as the central goal um, in the work that I do. I'm glad that you you explained this that it, you know health at every size uh, versus healthy at every size. I think that's that's, that's a very important um, significant difference here that people can be you know um, health at every size that that no matter what size you're coming in you deserve the same kind of treatment and um, focus and support and that you know it, it's not just the number on the scale but I think as when you come to practitioners that are helping people like this, um, you know, uh, 
they should be, you know, fitting their nutrition expertise into their lives and just helping them feel better about themselves. And I, you know, and, and, you know, when I see all these people to say, I'm not going to help you lose weight, I'm like, well, that's what the person wanted. You know, just, you know, I just, it, it seems to me that, that those kind of people have their own agenda versus taking in the, con- the needs or the concern of, of the client. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I do have a couple thoughts on that. And that is where I would say bringing in transparency with clients and it is really important because what you're speaking to in, in terms of really considering what the client wants is essential, right? It's essential. So if a client says, I'm really looking to lose weight from my perspective, and this is where we might have, you know, might see things a bit differently is that I might say, I I hear how much you're looking for that. And it's part of my job then to share with you some about the research on weight science, what we know about pursuit of weight loss, and why I don't use weight as a central focal point or goal in the work that I do. And if that doesn't work for you, that is okay. There are a lot of other professionals who can help you with that that goal towards getting to that number. But as dietitians, as, as health practitioners, and we we actually, you know, looking at the data, and this is what really informs my approach, is that we don't have really research that guides us in terms of the specifics around nutrition, around how to coach someone towards a style of eating that is going to lead to a significant amount of weight loss that is sustained for a significant amount of time. What what we tend to to see in the weight loss literature um, is that we are really effective at implementing some sort of nutritional change, whether it's low calorie, whether it's low carb, Um, And that we see that individuals are able to lose weight. And usually that weight kind of loss is at its highest at about one and a half years out from the intervention. And that by about year two, we start to see the weight trend back up and up and up and up. And that tends to reflect people's lived experiences is that they have a history, and again, not always, um, have a history of losing weight and then it comes back on and then they lose weight and then more comes back on and they find themselves in a weight cycling pattern. And we know that there is physiology behind that. But I, I, I do appreciate that there are, you know, practitioners out there who would really disagree with what I'm saying right now. And that's, you know, I, I know that that's just true. I know a lot of the weight cycling, as you called it, is, you know, environmental and genetic. Some of it also attributed to the fact that people may lose weight on a crazy fad diet that is not sustainable. So like, you know, when they start cutting out like carbohydrates from their diet and do keto or something like that, that is such, it's not sustainable. So of course the weight's going to go down because they're cutting so many food groups of food out of the and calories from the diet. But then they go back and they go back to trying to live in the world and, you know, it comes back on. So, we, so I now realize genetics plays a part, but, you, you know, you think the, the way they lose weight is another problem? I agree with you. You know, sadly, so many people don't have access to a registered dietitian, what they have access is to social media and TV. And so what gets modeled are actually things that are very appealing because the weight loss is so dramatic and so satisfying because it's so quick. 
And by nature, things that are incredibly, that create these sort of dramatic quote unquote results are, are the vast majority of the time, it, of course, it's unsustainable. Right, right. Before I let you go, I, I want I want to make sure we get one thing out, what Hayes is not. And that is, I often see on social media, people say, uh, eat the donut. You know, you're, you're, this is your weight and be, and be happy at your weight and just eat whatever you want. And we, this is weight acceptance, but that's not, doesn't sound like from what you're telling me, this is what this is. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, you're really hitting on, uh, some of my, some of my pet peeves with social media. I appreciate that for so many people, the demonizing of certain foods has led to restriction, binge cycles, a terrible relationship to food. And so the sort of posing with a formally forbidden food and encouraging people to give permission for all foods is, is really salient visually. And that is one piece of of building what we might call an intuitive relationship with food, a relationship with food where we might some people say all food fits, but it is so much more than that. And there are there are layers of complexity as it as it relates to all the things that we've discussed today. But we don't want to dilute it down to this idea of hey, just accept and eat all the donuts and you'll be fine. That is really um, not the message that we want to have. The, the movement is about a lot more than that. I think I, I'm so glad that I had you on, Miss Marcy Evans, because I think there's so much um, misinformation about this. And I hope what we did today is give people that are maybe looking at this and trying to figure out what it is, or maybe want to talk to uh, a registered dietitian nutritionist about uh, their, you know, better managing their weight and changing their diet and the lifestyle to, you know, like, I love the transparency. So before you start to, to work with somebody, you, you say, you know, what are you all about? And tell me what, you know, this is what my goals are in life and do they align? And I love that. I love that, that it's a two-way street. So make sure that you're getting advice from somebody that is qualified and um, is is going to meet your lifestyle goals and your life goals. So I think that's, I think that is absolutely wonderful. Oh, this has been a delightful conversation. I hope that as a profession, we can have more and more conversations like this where we can be curious with one another. And I would particularly encourage not just the nutrition professionals who are listening, but the nutrition students who are listening is keep reading the literature, stay true to looking at the research and looking at the science and, um, you know, try to remain a critical reader of the research so that we can continue to provide the best care that we can for our patients and our clients. Miss Marcy, once again, you are spot on. And I want to thank you again for coming on the show today and, and sharing your wisdom. Oh, it's an absolute delight. I appreciate the invitation. So thank you for having me on. Spot On is supported by the Boston University Sargent College's Master of Science degree in Nutrition program. Log on to bu.edu to learn more about this fabulous nutrition graduate program. Thank you for listening to Spot On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This way you'll get every new episode every week. 
And by the way, leave us a nice review. And can you also like us on our Spot On Facebook page and suggest topics for future episodes? Please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joan Salji Blake. And oh, by the way, can you send this episode to five of your friends? Do I ask a lot of you?